The Once and Future Nerd is independently produced. If you're enjoying the show and would like to support us, visit onceandfuturenerd.com support to find out how you can help. Listening to this show on an iOS device? Leave us a rating on iTunes, please. The Once and Future Nerd Book One, Princes of Jordan Chapter 10, The Evening Redness in the West Episode 4 In the blackness before the dawn, the fortress of Freehold was beset on three sides by Traft's host. The battle was bloody and terrible, but Jen remained a formidable fighting force. Billy and Nelson were redoubtable in their own rights. The boys helped keep attackers clear from Jen as her lightning spells did their grisly work. Scaling the North Wall! Jen's entourage of shield bearers and friends reformed around her. Ready? Let's do it. They ran off and arrived at the North Wall, again just in time for Jen to break a brutal stalemate. But this was all taking a toll on the poor girl. You Jen looked around, frightened, searching for the source of the horrible voice. What? Jen! Jen! You need some rest. I'll rest later. Be smart. You've got to know when to take some bench time. West wall! All available men to the west wall! My commander's order! It's okay to sit this one out, Jenny. This sounds like a pretty big wave. That's why I need to be there. Shield bearers, on me! On the western wall, Bryce Riverfell looked out at enemy torches beyond counting. God damn it, they can't have many more waves after that. Tell the men to... Bryce paused when he saw the torches of Traft's horde rapidly splitting apart to give way to something else. What is Selberin? Traft has war elephants! Get those ballistas loaded! Holy shit. Are those elephants? Or else I'm the High King of Jordan. Wow, really going for the full Minas Tirith here? Halloween told us the elephants were wiped out when they built the tower. It appears the elves are fallible then. If the ballistas can't take them down, I need you to stop them. You mean... Stop them before they get to the gates. Can you do it? Can't you aim for the legs or something? Even if we hit them, you think that'd be any better for the poor things? You can do it quicker and cleaner. I need some time to focus. I'll need to get a lot of current moving. More than I ever have. How can we help? Cover my ass, get me some water. Y'all heard the lady, water. Billy, talk to me. About what? Just whatever. I just need to hear your voice. It brought me back when I was getting lost or whatever. Jen closed her eyes and concentrated. The world around her hummed in its special way. Uh, okay. Um, did I ever tell you about the game against North Scranton? Like a million times! Shut up, Nelson. Baby, I love you and I'm proud of you, but honestly, I drown out most of your football stories at this point. I'm sorry. Ouch. I need something I haven't heard before. Uh, not to rush a delicate moment, ladies and gents, but, uh... Okay, okay. Nelson, if you give me crap about this, I will pull your arms off, shove them up your asshole, and give myself a high five down your throat. 
I love you so much, Jen. I love you too. Her long blonde hair was standing straight on end. I love you, and you impress the shit out of me. It's scary how smart you are, and that's how I know you're gonna get us through this. Traft's war elephants drew closer. You figure everything out so quick. You're gonna pull this spell off, and we're gonna win. That was when Nelson noticed something. He squinted through his spectacles to see better. We're gonna win, and you're gonna be the hero. And you deserve it. Finally, as they were only yards away, Nelson got a clear look at the elephants. Jen, wait! That's Jen sent a tremendous lightning bolt at the elephants, which Nelson saw too late, were covered in hundreds of small clay pots. Jen's spell ignited the thunder dust, which sent a hurricane gale of fire and air towards the gates of Freehold. The sturdy doors were blown to splinters, slicing the men in the courtyard into a hideous pink mist. Atop the wall, soldiers were knocked to their feet, unable to hear and barely able to stand straight. Through rigorous force of will and even more rigorous training, General Riverfell maintained just enough presence of mind. Move! Everybody move! It's coming down! Those standing grabbed those who couldn't, and all made haste away from the walls. The thick stone edifice trembled, then quaked, then fell to the ground. Traft's army cheered with wild abandon as they saw Freehold's west wall collapse. Now is the moment you've waited too long for. Avenge your fallen loved ones. Show the Easterners what fear means. All columns, full assault. Charge! Out in front of the crumbled walls, the Freehold garrison was not ready for Traft's charge, but it is to Bryce's great credit that they were in the neighborhood of readiness. Anyone who can hold a fucking pike, get your ass to the front. Hold the line. Anyone deserts now is gonna wish an orc killed them. Professor! I'm here, Bryce. Let the mage and her friends leave. It's been a pleasure, Bryce. At least we took plenty of them to Selbrun with us. We're here. I think you all should make a tactical retreat. We said we'd see this through. When they get through, the realm's gonna need you. Don't waste your damn lives. If you don't haul ass right now, it's gonna be too late. Jen, maybe he's got a point. Billy, I've spent my whole life feeling like I wasn't strong enough. I won't do that anymore. I don't want to die, Jen. Go if you have to. Jenny, come on. No, get off of me. <laughs> I'm not leaving you here to die. The orcs thundered towards Freehold. Smith the Smith even led a small column of his own. For Mary! They were but 50 yards away now. For Carol! And then, a lone crossbow bolt fell through the sky and skewered Smith through the neck. <laughs> Before anyone noticed, three more bolts fell, and then it was raining death. Cresting a hill on the orc's north flank came 500 knights of the wood, their gilded armor gleaming in the freshly risen sun. Their repeating crossbows pattered out a symphony of the rebels' doom. Rilotit, Lord Commander of the Tarlohil, led the terrible swift charge, but Brennan and Yilwyn rode right beside her. When the trumpet blasts reached Riverfell's lines, the old general simply closed his eyes in silent prayer while his men cheered. Galadin's mercy, the Tarlohil. Decimated by the crossbow barrage, the orcish lines were in complete disarray. 
When Rees' riders closed to within a hundred yards, they slung their crossbows on their saddles and drew their sabers. Our salvation happened. Look! The Knights of the Wood leveled their sabers at their foes. That is when the rout became a slaughter. Traft's demoralized lines shattered like crystal on stone. Many orcs dropped their weapons and turned to flee, but these were ridden down and slain just like the others. Yilluin's bow did terrible work from horseback. Brennan dismounted amidst the fray. Despite the knight's age, he and his axe lived up to their fearsome reputation. The rebel General Traft surveyed the battlefield, hoping desperately for some sign that the fight was not in vain. Though it broke his heart, his tactical insight told him plainly that all was lost, that to stay in fight meant only his futile death. He grabbed an abandoned horse and fled. But Relotid saw him and gave chase. She let loose with her crossbow. Traft looked back over his shoulder just in time to duck out of the way. Re loosed again and again, but Traft was a nimble rider and she could not close the distance to him. When the last bolt in Re's magazine zipped past Traft's head, she reined in her mount. As she watched the half-orc escape, she looked disturbingly satisfied with herself, though no one was there to notice it. She trotted back to her victorious troops and raised her sabre in celebration. Back at Riverfell's lines, the celebrations were interrupted by a scout's alarm. Rider approaching! A hundred pikes snapped to the ready. The children looked in the direction of the scout's gaze, but smiled at what they saw. They're with us! Regan and Nia rode in together and stopped when they saw Billy, Jen and Nelson. Oh, thank Galadin you're alive! Front lines? Gods, I thought I taught you better than that. I had a lot of men who weren't so lucky. You two are? Our friends. Our chaplain and arms bearer. You must be General Riverfell. I'm Nia, an acolyte of the Holy Brotherhood. I meant no insult to your honored dead. I was only relieved to see these three. I would of course perform last rites for any of your men if you so desire. I appreciate that, Nia. We'll talk once we've gathered the dead and wounded. What are you guys doing here? Brennan sent us. In case that charge didn't go as planned and we needed to get you three out of town. Fortunately, it did go as planned. Ree approached, flanked by Brennan and Yellowin. Bryce and all of his men dropped to their knees. Lord Commander. General, as you were. We sure are glad to see you. General Brennan, you as well. You saved my ass. It's Sir Willemson now. That's so. You saved my ass, sir. That was freaking awesome. Some straight writers of Rohan shit. Stone has to tell me the whole story. I want to start writing some of this stuff down. A very worthy pursuit, Nelson. I would be glad to help. Uh, I, I, I am literate. General Riverfell, your men performed commendably against nigh insurmountable odds. Took you long enough to show up, though. Don't. Squire William, I would remind you that we are knights of the wood. And knights of the wood are never late or early. We always arrive precisely when we mean to. 
Regan remained silent, but took careful note of the edge in the elf's voice. Yeah, but you didn't arrive when we needed you to. That's what late means. General Riverfell locked Billy in a very efficient grapple to ensure his silence. He's had a long day, Lord Commander. I'm not ashamed to say these three were indispensable to the battle. Is that so? Especially Jen. Mostly Jen. Perhaps the path of the squire suits you after all. It would warm my heart to see a female called Knight in the realms of men. Thank you, Taid. We'll be feasting tonight, Lord Commander. Will you join us? Afraid not, General. We must push our advantage, of course. There's hardly an orc left breathing. On this battlefield? There's likely to be others traveling nearby. You might be tempted to call them squires or support staff, but in truth, it's just whoever was loafing around the hive and decided they wanted to spill man blood. In that case, Taid, it would be my greatest honor to join you in your hunt. Stay, Eloween, and rejoice with the memiot you have sworn to serve. Regan's hawkish eyes never left Taid Rilotit's face. With your permission, Taid, the Kaltir and I would sleep easier knowing the threat has been quelled once and for all. A tinge of annoyance crossed Reed's visage. This was not lost on Regan. Have faith, Sir Brennan. If the Talo heel say a threat shall be dealt with, it shall be dealt with. <clears throat> of course, Taid. Can a few extra hands really hurt? Are you a tactician, armsbearer? We depend on discipline. Your master and his retainers are competent warriors, but my knights and I have trained and ridden together for near half a century. If a single link in the chain were to weaken at a crucial moment, then yes, extra hands can hurt. Regan settled back into her saddle with new private knowledge, but certainly not satisfaction. I wish you all an enjoyable feast, and bid you good evening. Who else needs a drink? A short while later, in the now bustling dining hall at Freehold, Bryce Riverfell raised a cup to his men. They saluted him as best they knew how. His men applauded wildly as Bryce emptied his cup in one gulp. When he gestured to our children, prompting them to bow, the cheers grew even more rapturous. And so the victory feast began. Fowl and sausage and bread and rice poured from the kitchen. Ale and mead and wine ran like water. Soldiers sung songs of great heroes past. Jen and Billy embraced, first with innocent joy, and then with not-so-innocent joy. Jokes were told, some more decorous than others. So then the jester goes, that's just what the princess said. <laughs> <clears throat> oh my. Nelson took in all the revelry around him and having borrowed one of Nia's quills, set to writing down as much as he could. This pleased Nia greatly. By nightfall, everyone in the hall was well-fed and well-drunk and grinning like a fool. 
And oh, my prince, how I wish I could end our tale there, with our heroes safe and happy among friends. But if you've listened so far, you know such stories are never so simple. For that night, as our heroes slept, some of them dreamt. Brennan, Nia, Yilluween and Billy found themselves together in an endless banquet hall of blinding white. What the fuck is this shit? We are dreaming. Sir Brennan and I have had strange dreams of late, but never together like this. Kaltir, have you dreamed as well? Certainly not like this. And you, Billy? Nah, this is some Nelson shit. Hey guys. They turn to see Nelson, seated at the head of the banquet table. Uh, what's up, Nelson? I think you guys are supposed to sit. Have you had dreams like this as well, Nelson? I told you, I don't remember my dreams, but this place feels weirdly familiar. That was when the red and gold birds, which Brennan first dreamed so many weeks ago, on the night before he met our heroes, appeared. Strangely, they flocked around Nelson. Uh... I've been having a thought for some time, which until now has been too far-fetched to speak out loud. But Nelson, I think there is some possibility that, however small, a part of you may be more than human. I, I don't, um... I'm with you, Nelson. Then emerged the young girl, from all of Brennan and Nia's recent dreams, complete with the bloody hole in her chest. What the fuck? She came to rest at Nelson's shoulder and whispered in his ear. She says, There, there are, are seven things, things you must know to save me? me? Yeah. The seventh thing is... Chaos takes many forms, but death rides a horse. In the tent in Freehold's courtyard, where the party was sleeping, Jen stirred restlessly and woke. She was spared the strange dream, but sleep also eluded her. Rubbing the grogginess out of her eyes, she saw all of her companions asleep, except for one missing bedroll. Regan's. In the fields outside Freehold, Regan knelt by a grey, muddy puddle, checking its consistency with her finger. Although Jen's leather shoes made barely a doe's whisper on the cold, wet ground, Regan heard her approach from twenty yards away. Couldn't sleep. Where are you going? The Thief Queen stood and faced Jen. The elves don't want us with them now because of tactics and discipline, but it was fine for us to ride a charge with them. I mean, she was lying, but... Like, whatever. They don't want us with them. When someone lies to your face, it's not just an insult. It's a threat. They know something, and they're making sure you don't. I gotta know what the elves don't want us to know. So what? You're gonna follow them? It's a whole army with, like, super senses or whatever. I haven't lived this long by staying uninformed. Twenty times out of twenty-one, it's a damn fool decision. But that one time it saves your ass is worth it. And I have a feeling that soon the elves are going to be paying me a lot more mind than I'd prefer, whether I want it or not. You want some blankets? Nah, can't really stop if I'm going to catch up on foot. It's cold out. Good. 
Regan scooped up a generous handful of mud and applied it liberally under her arms and between her legs. I can't afford to sweat. You know you're actually crazy, right? Stay tough. Stay smart. Trust yourself. Where should I tell everyone to meet you? I'll find you. Regan winked at the girl and stalked off. Tracking a single person or animal requires great skill, training and perception. Tracking a large cavalry division requires only eyes and common sense. Tracking 500 knights of the wood against their explicit wishes requires eyes, common sense and a certain desperate tenacity only known to those who have spent much of their lives with very little to lose. Thus, I, Rona Regan, had a fairly easy time picking up the trail of the Tarlohil from the battlefield at Freehold and into the surrounding pines. Two days into her search, she found a hastily abandoned campsite where the hundreds of hoofprints were joined by dozens of footprints. She climbed a hill from which she could see the procession of footsteps and staggered from exhaustion. She had not slept in quite some time now and judged she couldn't be far from the Black Mountains at this point. She was not wrong. She pushed through her exhaustion knowing she could not afford to give any ground. It was yet another day before she found the shortcut through an overgrown brook and got out ahead of the footprints she was tracking. Knowing she could not fight back sleep for much longer, she climbed a tall, dense tree, surrounded herself with the thickest branches, tied herself into her bedroll, and let slumber carry her off. Regan jerked awake and nearly fell from her perch. Judging herself still concealed, she moved aside some branches and cautiously peered into the clearing below her. Rhee and her heavily armed and armoured knights surrounded a ragged, barely clothed procession. Orcs. But these orcs were women and children, some even infants. Regan reflected on the fact that she had never once heard a story about an infant orc. Rhee called a halt. Her knights stopped and took long swigs from their canteens while their captives watched thirstily. One of the boy orcs, who did not look to have any more than ten years, staggered where he stood, dizzy with thirst, and fell to his knees. An older female nearby cried out in alarm. Relotit nodded towards the boy, and two of her knights dismounted and calmly strode towards him. For all that Ayrona Regan had seen and endured, her eyes still went wide with shock as the elves coldly restrained the boy and opened his throat. There was a terrible second of desperate silence in the crowd. No! With the grief and fury that only a mother can know, the woman charged at Rilotit and was cut down in her tracks by no less than three repeating crossbows. It was then the crowd went mad, some with panic and some with rage. One willful boy managed to strike an elf with his fist, which was all the provocation the elves needed to unleash a brutal wrath. 
Crossbow bolts flew in every direction, refusing to discriminate between the frightened and the mad. Some tried in vain to fight. Mostly mothers tried to shield their children, but this was also in vain. Regan watched the whole bloody scene play out beneath her. A quiet, impotent rage simmered behind her eyes as she cursed herself for a thousand, thousand things she had failed to realize before now. Thus concludes the first book of our tale. For additional information and bonus content, access onceandfuturenerd.com on your computer machine. The Once and Future Nerd is written and created by Zach Glass and Christian Madeira, and directed by Christian Madeira. It is performed by... Rhiannon Angel Garrett Arman Dan Dobransky Lily Draxler Anya Gibeon Ian Harkins, All Notice, Frank Queres, Julie Reed, Gregory M. Schultz. It is co-executive produced by Jess Kelly. Alex Story is an associate producer. The Once and Future Nerd is recorded by Brian Forbes at the Gallery Recording Studio in Brooklyn, New York, with additional audio engineering by Sam Palumbo. Foley sound design and mixing is done by Sandra Ramirez. It is edited by Josh Perot and Christian Madeira. Theme music is composed by Tom Lee. Additional music by Christopher Montalbo.